You could be playing Theme Hospital. I could. These are all things that I like. I'm essentially a nana mm. trapped in a 34-year-old's body. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how many nanas want to pretend to be hospital administrators, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay, point taken. I mean, most of most of it is benches. Mm, I love benches. And snack machines and yeah. making sure that the people in your hospital, they may not be cured, but they're going to... They're going to be happy. They're going to be sitting in comfort and with a full array, you mm. know, array of snacks. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing I've put in so far, because obviously it's like, it's the new theme hospital for the Switch, is a rotisserie meat machine for hot meat in the hospital. I mean, never have I wanted anything less. Hot Meat in the Hospital, I'm pretty sure, exists as a DVD. <laughs> oh, God. Mm. Okay. How can it not? Blu-ray sell it from the back of a van. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with... This story mm. takes place in the build-up to World War Two. WW2. Okay. The second of the World Wars. Mm-hmm. The year mm. was 1887. And it was a cold... No, it, no, no. That's not the build-up to the Second World War. That's the build-up to the First World War. The story takes place in the build-up to World War Two. The setup requires a person to be of an adulting age at that point. So I need to go back. Oh, right, okay. So, the year was 1887, Mm -hmm. and it was a cold Tom Borcock's Eve. Was it? Which, for those not in the know, is the 23rd of December. Okay, I did a special episode on that, so... I I did the shout-out for you, darling, so you'd smile. Thank you. In Glasgow, Mm. a young woman called Elizabeth Wallace... Mm. was going into labour. All right. But this, it wasn't a Christmas Eve Eve miracle. Mm. Because, unfortunately for her, she was the daughter of an Irish itinerant worker, mm. which is hard to say. She was the daughter of an Irish itinerant worker who had moved to Scotland to search for a better life, but hadn't managed to find it. Oh, dear. This meant that she was not going to be receiving anything that we consider to be health care. Right, she's just got a grit her teeth and crack on then pretty much oh god even worse elizabeth wallace was about to become an unmarried mother <gasps> oh yes c'est terrible which would make her life as a subsistence level domestic servant even harder and add a layer of social stigma courtesy of hypocritical victorian society mm-hmm. because they were some of the dirtiest dirtiest people when it came to sex it's just that you weren't allowed to, to say it out loud. No, it's like they were the most suppressed age, I think, mm. for, you know, sexual liberation. It was just... It was, oh, I mean, it, why does it even matter? You know, just crack on. As long as you're not hurting somebody, abusing somebody, or purposefully going out of your way to upset somebody else it's nobody else's goddamn business just crack on well you can imagine what what would be happening for poor old elizabeth wallace oh, when, yeah. she, when she brings her oh I bet. Her baby into mm. the world and it's mm. oh you hear about elizabeth she's on her own but she's got a kid <gasps> mm. how did that happen she called her new baby daughter jesse 
and when Jessie was old enough, Elizabeth told her that her father was actually a man called William Ferguson, who had decided to leave for America as soon as he heard that he was going to be a father. Oh. Which must have been great for little Jessie's self-esteem. Yeah. You'd be better off lying. He Daddy. Went... Daddy wasn't there. You could say, he went to war. Yeah, you could, you could make up anything, couldn't you, just yeah. to save somebody's feelings. But no, no, just tell her straight. Tell her uh, dad didn't want her. Yeah. The mere Christ. thought of you was enough to send him across an entire ocean. Yeah, that's pretty And brutal. he's not coming back. That is brutal. Eventually, though, Elizabeth fell in love with a widower called John Haddow. Haddow? No, it's probably Haddow, but I, I think I prefer Haddow. They quickly or married. Or Haddow. They quickly married... And Jessie found herself with two older stepbrothers, mm. who she didn't really like. Well. The new family moved to Perth, and over time, Jessie also gained five half-brothers and sisters. Oh, my God. Who she also didn't really like. Oh. So she's now going from her and her mum against the world. Yeah. It's now, she is one of a cast of eight children. And she doesn't like any of them. And she's, she's not particularly fond of any of them. Oh, wow. And I'm guessing, you know... She's gone from being her mum's world to Mm -hmm. an annoying reminder of that time when she was destitute and everything was terrible. And now she's got her new kids with her new husband. Yeah, yeah. And everything's going well. Sort of picking up on the vibes that maybe she was, you know, a bit of a spare part. Mm. As soon as she was able, Jessie decided to abandon the family, much like her biological father before her, Okay, to seek her fortune... And to make a mark on the world. Right. Where's she off? Well, who knows at this point, but it's, the leaving itself turned out to be a very good choice. As shortly after the 16-year-old Jessie had left, mm. her 38-year-old mother Elizabeth also decided she'd reached her limit and abandoned her husband, two stepsons and five children in order to emigrate to Canada. Why? She had enough. Wanted, wanted to try again. But what what a random place to pick. Why would she randomly pick Canada? I'm guessing because she was worried if she went to America, she might bump into uh, William Ferguson. A big place, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, at this point, um, Canada was the Dominion of Canada. It was a British territory. Right. Where, whereas America was not. No. So that may have played into it a little bit. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, you know, she was in, she was in Perth, right? Yep, yep. Why didn't she just go to the, you know, bottom of England? Why did she have to go all the way to Canada? Because she was really done with those seven kids. Really, like... Had enough. Wow. Okay. So the length of Britain wasn't good enough. Well, no, because, you know, technically they could they could get there just by walking. Well, technically, but you wouldn't. And also, back in the day, I mean, they didn't have track and trace or anything <laughs> like that. They, you know, you, you couldn't put a chip in a phone and put it on Google Maps and whatever. Okay, but I don't I don't think she wanted to drop off grid. It wasn't like she wanted to, to become a non-person. She just didn't want all the baggage that she'd accrued over the last, like, 20 years. Yeah, but you move, you move town, you change your name. That's how they used to do it back yeah. in the day. Maybe she's happy with her name. Elizabeth. She's, she likes her name. Well, she could change Yeah, it. but there's lots of Elizabeth. She could just change her last name. What, from Hadayo? Yeah, to Grumplestiltskin. <laughs> With both of her parents on the other side of the Atlantic, mm. at least as far as she knew, because to be honest, William Ferguson may or may not have existed and could be anywhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> she could be told he moved it. It could be the milkman who's still to that day dropping off the two pints. Yeah. Ooh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah, true. But Jessie Wallace, she knew she didn't have any kind of safety net. Mm-hmm. She had to make something of herself or go to the workhouse, essentially. Yeah. Those were her two options. Mm-hmm. So when her plans to become incredibly rich and famous didn't quite pan out, she was forced by necessity to work as a maid, much like her mother had been doing when she was born. Mm-hmm. Crisscrossing Scotland and Northern England in search of work. Mm-hmm. So she was a, a maid for hire, is what she was. Right. Just keep that hand there so that Noxie does not step all over the... Uh... <laughs> You're not getting up there. There's too many presents on top of that cupboard. It's not. Why don't you just go and sit on your sofa, Nox? Yeah, she has her own sofa with, with a cushion yeah, with a face on it. A cushion with her own face on it. And she can't just... Go on. There you go. Go on. Onto your sofa. Onto your sofa. There you go. Well done. Good jump. Now sit, sit. Good girl. She didn't, she didn't have an inheritance coming. No. You know, she didn't have rich relatives she could rely on. No. She had to sort it out herself. Jessie Wallace was described at this time as being charismatic. Mm. And though people admitted she was a bit short enough full figure, which I don't know is a Victorian way of saying she was a bit dumpy. Or... I was going to say short and dumpy, or was she just well endowed? Yes, in the Bristol area. Mm. Um, but whatever, she was apparently able to stand out from other women just by sheer force of personality. See, she's giving me Dawn French vibes now. Okay, well, if you want to hold Dawn French in your in your head for the rest yeah. of it, that's fine. But yeah, apparently, you you know, you pick her out in a room because she was just, there was something about her that was different to all the other okay. sort of Victorian women yeah. of the time. It's like a Victorian Dawn French. That's, that's the image that's given me now. Okay. Well, after four years of working, Jessie's charisma brought her to the attention of a waiter called Frederick Jordan. Aww. He was in his mid-twenties. He was handsome. And he was German. Mm. Mm-hmm. The two quickly became a couple and Jessie was invited to go on a trip to Germany to meet Frederick's parents. Oh, wow. Now, she it seems like she genuinely loved the idea that she was finally wanted somewhere. Hang on, was he Frederick or was he Friedrich? Well, it was probably Friedrich, but... You know, he'd moved over to England, which oh, means right, he probably okay. had his uh, name anglicised. Like, we're, we're going to call you Frederick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was actually asked to go somewhere, mm-hmm. possibly for the first time in her life. You know, mm-hmm. why don't you? We'd love to have you. And she referred to them as Muma and Mupa. Mm-hmm. And she had a lovely time <laughs> in Hamburg. Oh. You know, she was so taken by this sort of welcoming, blissful, proper family. Yeah that she was more than happy to marry Friedrich uh, and moved to Germany permanently in 1912. So we'll go back to Friedrich now. He's gone mm-hmm. home, so we'll use his proper name. The couple had two children called Marga and Werner. Werner. I almost said Wiener. The couple had two children called Marga and Werner and things appeared to be perfect. Aww. So she'd had a rough start in life. Yeah. But she met someone who loved her mm-hmm. and who she loved and who mm. had welcomed her into this amazing extended German family mm-hmm. where people were checking in on her. How was she doing? They wanted mm-hmm. to help look after the grandkids. You know, mm. it, was, it was blissful. World War One broke out in the summer of 1914 and Friedrich Jordan was conscripted as the German army quickly expanded from 700,000 standing troops to over 3.8 million 
within a week of the war officially being declared. Oh my God, that's insane. It's almost like they planned for the start of World War One, isn't it? Well... You know, being able to being able to go, well, we, we need about three million, give or take, more troops. Mm-hmm. And it took him a week to get those together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was posted to the Western Front and okay. would die there during oh. the German Spring Offensive. Oh, no. This was in 1918. Oh. This was naturally a crushing blow for Jessie and mm-hmm. for her young family. Yeah. But even worse, amongst his personal effects that were sent back to her, Mm-hmm. Uh, along with the letter saying that he'd, you know, Passed done his duty away. and he'd yeah. he'd died a hero's death, uh, were a series of letters detailing an affair he was having with another woman. Oh my yeah. god! Meaning, not only was her husband dead, but also any comfort from memories of their happily married life. It wasn't happy. No, he was playing away. So she's she, oh, and all of oh my oh no oh the shit. Oh, by the end of it, she probably. I'm glad he's dead. I, I, I'm glad he is dead. <laughs> Little two-timing piece of shit. Yeah. By this time, Jessie was a German citizen, and she elected to stay in her adopted homeland after the end of World War One, mm. despite the fact that you know things were a bit more awkward with the Jordan family at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she had a plan. She was going to she was going to smooth things over. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that and, you know, ensure a bit of financial stability, Jessie decided, much like her mother had before her, that she would need to find a new man as soon as possible. Yeah. And the most conveniently placed man was her dead husband's cousin, Bauer Baumgarten. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ba-baum. <laughs> Bauer Baumgarten. Garten. Garten. Bauer Baumgarten. Mm. So yeah, um, I, I don't know if this was well. I don't. I don't want to meet a new family, so I may as well just look within the confines. I thought you were going to say one family. his brother. Oh no, no, no. I she... Thought we were going to full Jeremy Kyle. I mean, it's bad enough, but <laughs> I thought we were going to we were going to go that extra Jeremy mm. Kyle. Kyle, put my teeth back in. Jeremy Kyle Mile. <laughs> That's not easy to say. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it's not. Bless you for trying. Thank that you. That was please. good. And. If you think that this was another match for love, it wasn't. Jessie was thoroughly disillusioned with men by this point. Oh, and God. the marriage was pretty much transactional between the two. Jessie, she was given the means to open and run a hairdresser's and massage parlour mm-hmm. in Hamburg, because okay. that's what she wanted to do. Yeah. While Bauer, he was able to maintain an outward air of respectability while he engaged in many, many affairs. Oh, no. Was he a closet gay or was he just a no, Lothario? No, no, he was a Lothario. But right, okay. it worked out for both of them because he could sort of, you know, hide behind this veneer of respectability. Where mm-hmm. no, look, here is my wife. Mm-hmm. She is a, a responsible business owner in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Um, and for her part, she was like, well, he's helped me get this mm-hmm. hairdressing yeah. salon off yeah. the ground. The level of detachment is best demonstrated by the fact that Jessie chose to trade under the surname of her dead husband rather than her current husband. Oh, my God. So she'd rather take the name of somebody she thought she was happy with, but he mm. was having an affair rather than the new husband that they both know he's having. Yeah, it was open. He's carrying on, but 
they're kind of, they've kind of come to terms with that arrangement but she'd still rather oh wow it may have been something as simple as you know it costs less to put jordans above a shop than it does baumgartens yeah maybe it's something to do with their kid uh, kids oh yeah last uh, name as well because what do you do there she's gonna hand it down to yeah marga yeah yeah possibly possibly there's many reasons really mm. i'm just sliding back mm. there we go i feel like this is like right in my face right okay but one thing that this choice did, it meant that she was um, mm. had a direct uh, impact on her clientele because apparently in Germany, mm. the surname Jordan carried with it Jewish connotations. Oh, right. I didn't know that. No. And so Jessie found that the vast majority of her customer base were Jewish. Is, it, is that still the case? I don't, I don't know. I know that at this point, apparently it was. Maybe somebody could uh, write under the episode link on Insta and let us know mm. if they know. Mm. So, yeah, she's just, I don't know if it was a shrewd business move or if it was just luck, but mm. she ended up becoming associated quite strongly with the Jewish community of Hamburg and they would all come to her to get their, their hair cut. Oh, cool. The 20s, 1920s, mm. not the 2020s, they're a shit show. The 1920s, <laughs> they were... A- they are definitely not a shit show. Uh, they were a great time for Jessie in Germany. Her business boomed in the hopeful atmosphere of the Weimar Republic. Aww. Her daughter, Marga, had become a successful actress. Ah, well done, Marga. And married a rich Hamburg merchant called Hermann Warbrock, mm. um, who was friends with a man called Paul von Hindenburg, who was the president at the time. Yes. So we're talking very rarefied air that Isn't she's managed it? to get into. A lot of W's in German is V. V. Are you telling me... So it's a Vorbrock. Could be Vorbrock. Hermann Vorbrock, who was friends with Paul von Hindenburg. So, 20s, they're on the up and up. She made the right choice staying in Germany, you'd say. Yeah. Because what, what would have happened if she moved back to Scotland? Cholesterol. That's what would have happened. <sighs> Cold. Mm. Chap lips. Yeah, definitely. Windswept and interesting. Mm. As Billy Connolly uh, famously says. <laughs> but as good as the, the 20s were, mm-hmm. the 30s, they weren't going to turn out quite so well. No. Because no. we're on the cusp now, aren't we? We've hit the 20s, we're I on the I said we were going to be talking about the cusp. Well, we're on the cusp. Yeah. So if you want to say all of that is frippery and nonsense up until that point, we're now in the build-up to World War Two. okay? Yeah. So... Family friend Paul von Hindenburg Mm. was the man who decided on a policy of appeasement before it was cool and appointed Adolf Hitler Chancellor of Germany in 1933. Oh, he's responsible for him getting in office then. Uh, He he kind of signed signed it into being, yeah. I mean, I I don't think he had much of a choice. Mm. Um, You always have a choice. Yeah, but... He could have signed it Mickey Mouse and then it wouldn't have been legit. Well, I mean... He did what he did what he thought he had to do to um, appease Hitler to the point where Hitler wouldn't try and oust him. So it's like uh, trying to protect his own power. Mm. It worked out great. This decision essentially legitimised anti-Semitism, and businesses owned by or associated with Jews, such as Jesse Jordan's yeah. hair salon and massage parlour, don't forget, mm-hmm. were boycotted in an attempt to run them out of business. The hit to her financial situation was compounded by the breakdown of her sham marriage to Bauer Baumgarten, who decided that he didn't want to run the risk of being linked to Judaism in the current political climate. 
Oh, wow. Regardless of how tenuous that link might be. So his link was, my wife runs a business that is frequented majority by Jewish clientele. Wow, so is he claiming grounds for divorce on that then? Well, no, he's just separating from her. Um, I think it was a case of he just made the marriage untenable by being never there, by completely distancing herself. And I think eventually it was abandonment Right. Okay. That was the the reason for the divorce. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I don't think he tried to claim she's too friendly with Jews. Therefore, I wanted to. But although I imagine that probably would have been granted uh, by the Nazi party at the time, probably mm. horrifically. But that and was the times. You can kind of understand his position. I mean, he was a fine, upstanding adulterer. He had a reputation to protect. <laughs> yeah, a shit one, but yeah. Mm. I mean, at least the bastard children that he was making across Hamburg mm-hmm. were all good Aryan bastard, bastard children. children. If anything, he was propagating the master race. Mm. It's very. It sounded very Boris Johnsony. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I will not comment. Okay. Another man who wanted to steer clear of any suggestion that he was linked to the Jewish community was Marga's husband, Hermann Vorbrock. Mm-hmm. He divorced Marga. In 1937. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm. So both of the Jordan women at this point have just been divorced. Uh, what about the other one? Which one? The younger one. That's Marga. And the, and the other girl? Jessie. No, the other one is a boy. It's Werner. Oh, Werner, sorry. Don't worry about Werner. He's doing great. Okay. Um, the two spurned women mm. would now need to be completely reliant on the money that Marga could earn by returning to her acting and singing career. Right which she put on pause. She'd actually had a daughter as well. So there was another woman in this. There was a, a tiny baby Jessie because she'd named it for her mother. Oh, my God. So there's Jessie Senior, Marga, and then we've got Jessie Junior. Oh, my God, right. So she's like, there's nothing for it. I'm going to have to go back to treading the boards, mm-hmm. you know, warm those vocal cords up. She was ready to relaunch her career. But there was a snag. Right. Because although the Nazis were happy to accept her son, Werner, into the German army, mm. Marga was informed that she would only be allowed to seek employment again when she could prove that she was of impeccable Aryan descent on her mother's side. Right. Which, considering Jessie's family history, was likely to be a bit of a problem. Because mm. she literally doesn't know who her dad is. Her mum is in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, how is, how is she going to get the proof that they're asking for? Yeah. Mm. Who knows? Well, it was at this moment, possibly the lowest of Jessie's 50 years of struggling to find a place to belong, Mm -hmm. that she was approached by the Abwehr. Mm -hmm. The Abwehr, which literally means Mm defence, were the German military intelligence service. Okay. Although Germany had specifically agreed not to form an intelligence service in the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, right. the great thing about a spy network is that it necessarily needs to be a bit secret. Well, yes. So the Weimar Republic went ahead and set one up anyway in 1920. But just just to keep an eye on what the USA and Britain and Russia were up to. Yeah. Because they were like, well... Just we... to make sure that they weren't up to anything shifty. Yeah, they were like, well, we've been essentially <laughs> demilitarised here. Yeah. So we need to keep our ears to the ground to make sure that no one's going to use us as some kind of political pawn. That's the only reason. Yeah. We, we, we And to be fair, you know, through the early part of the 20s, it was pretty much just benign intelligence gathering. Okay. You know, there was... Well, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't... 
it, it's a difficult one because you know when we're teetering on the brink of bringing Hitler into something and how you can ever think anything that came out of that man's mouth was good. Well, you can't, let's be fair, so. Hitler didn't set up the Abwehr. He set up the Gestapo and the SS. Mm. My granddad fought the SS. I know. I know. He was a a specialised senior Nazi hunter. He was. He got shot. In the bum. In the upper leg. It wasn't his bum, actually. shot right in the bum. It wasn't his bum. It was his upper leg. He could fart out of two holes. (laughs) (laughs) They had different tones as well. Did they? Boom, boom. It was a bit like a jug band. Do, do, do. Yeah. He did survive as well. I just thought I'd uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you only found out about the um the SS fighting after he died. Very recently actually, mm. very recently. Because it was all hush hush and I'm guessing he didn't really want to talk about hand to hand fighting cause Well that's... not really because then after he did that and he healed he decided he was going out again and he was posted in Egypt. Mm. Which is fun. And fought fought uh, in the Egypt. So. In the North Africa theater. Yes. So In 1937, Mm -hmm. Hitler, despite what he was saying, he was planning for war. Mm -hmm. And he allowed a rapid expansion in the amount of agents working for the Abwehr, Mm -hmm. with specific orders to collect information on the weapons being developed by the USA in order to ensure that Germany could maintain a technological superiority. Okay. Hitler was putting all of his eggs in the basket of, we are going to be the most technologically advanced army. We can't be the biggest one. No. But... If we are the most technologically advanced one, mm. we can do the blitzkrieg. We can go through these countries before they know, know what's hit them. Mm-hmm. And we can sort of win the European war that way rather than, you know, just a slow attritional grind like mm-hmm. wars have been. I don't know, like, say, the First World War was. Yeah. And along with the James Bond-esque types of spies who infiltrated secure sites to collect the top secret folders filled with blueprints and such, mm-hmm. the expa- did, they, did they have pens with darts in and stuff like that? I, I love a bit of espionage. Me, it's like my favourite thing. I don't I know. Spies. I think a lot of those, a lot of things did exist at that point, mm. but I think it was the Cold War where there was a total boom in that. All oh, right. Okay. In the, you know, the golden age of spycraft comes a little bit after this well they definitely had people who did daring do okay but you don't just need the people who do the daring do do you no that's our dear paddy from yeah paddy first series paddy o'sullivan was a bit of daring do she was but you also you need your admin staff you do you need your secretaries you need your dog's bodies doing just the the clerical work and the you know the logistics of everything Specifically, you might need someone, I don't know, to act as a middleman, ensuring that the pilfered information was safely transferred back to Berlin in a manner that wouldn't raise suspicions. Mm -hmm. And this was exactly why the Abwehr were approaching Jesse Jordan. Right. So they offered to sort out the misunderstandings around her heritage Mm -hmm. so that her daughter could get back to work Mm. and to ensure that her son received a relatively safe posting for his time in the army. Fair enough. Which was very decent of them. Yeah. Yeah, but there's not much decent about, you know, Germany and Hitler's era, really, is there? Well, you've not heard her side of this bargain, have you? Mm. All that they wanted her to do, the only thing they asked Jessie to do, mm. was to return to hairdressing. Yeah. In Scotland. Oh. As Jessie was already in possession of her paperwork that requested she prove her heritage, mm. she had the perfect excuse to return to Scotland on the pretense that she was trying to track down members of her family. Okay. 
Once there, she would also have the perfect reason to be sending post back to Germany. Mm-hmm. After all, by this point, she'd lived in the country for 25 years mm-hmm. and considered German to be her first language. Wow, okay. So she had she had a strong German accent by this point. Yep. This made her the perfect candidate to act as a postbox, a passive intelligence operative whose job is to maintain a cover that allows them to pass on information in a manner that's unsuspected by the local authorities. Mm-hmm. In this case, MI5. <laughs> So, oh my God, she's going to infiltrate MI5 by being a hairdresser. No, she's not. She's basically, she's just got to not stick out. So they're saying, if we can get the packages that we're having brought across from America to you, mm-hmm. you have the perfect excuse to be sending post to Germany. No one's yep. going to question why a woman who lived in Germany for 25 years, who, who has two children living in Germany, mm-hmm. is sending post to Germany. Mm-hmm. That makes all the sense in the world. Whereas if, you know... Uh, Mr. O'Connor from Kilcoddy suddenly started posting loads of stuff to yeah, why? Germany. Yeah, why? you'd be asking the question, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? If the members of the Abwehr were thinking that they would need some time to coerce Jesse into becoming a spy, they were in for a pleasant surprise. Ooh. Jesse was thrilled that finally someone, someone saw the value in her. Oh, God. It's so sad. She just wants to be liked. She does, and she immediately agreed to become involved in the clandestine world of international subterfuge. Yeah, Ching! But... She's a spy now! Well, yes. A hairdresser, but also a spy. But not Paddy O'Sullivan levels. Well, she's, she's going into enemy territory with an assumed identity to make sure that vital information gets back to the, you know, the authorities. Yeah, but where's the big jump out of a plane? Okay, she didn't jump out of a plane. Right. No, that's <laughs> Paddy true. did. Well, Jessie, mm. she arrived back in Scotland in July 1937. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, she had set up a hairdressing shop in Dundee. Okay. She had bought it for £75, but she'd spent over 300 quid outfitting it. Okay. Because if she was going to betray the country of her birth, she wasn't going to do it on a shoestring. No. She was going to have the best fucking hairdressers in Dundee to Amazing. do it from. Uh, and she got to work mastering the Viennese wave. Okay. Which was a popular haircut at the time. I searched for it. It appears to just be mid-length wavy hair. Okay. But at that time, it was apparently the the Oh, I assume the there's some thing. kind of perming fluid in that. I don't know. Who knows? But yes, she she apparently she was the best Viennese best Viennese waver in all of Dundee. Super duper. And the surrounding areas. And the surrounding areas. Possibly. Yeah, I, I just imagine Alvini's whirls, which are those really nice melty biscuits with the cream in. Yeah, she was just gluing those to people's just heads. sticking those to people's heads. Alvini's whirls. In between her customers, she mm. would take in mail from German operatives in America and repackage the letters and documents before sending them on to the Abwehr agents in mainland Europe. Mm-hmm. Safe in the knowledge that no one would suspect a small hairdresser's in Dundee of being a communication hub for the Nazis. Well, no, but knowing that, that she's come across from Germany, would they not have to look at what she's doing? Do you think? Do you yeah. think? Do you think? Do you think that the British intelligence service was that sophisticated by this point? Um, who knows? Maybe. You'd be right to think that because, oh! unbeknown to Jesse, MI5 have been immediately suspicious of Jesse's sudden desire to return to Scotland. Well, after twenty-five years, I mean, it's just like. <laughs> And the warning klaxon goes off. They weren't going to do anything heavy-handed, like, you know, take her into a dark room and beat the crap out of her. She had a really bright light in her eye. What? What is your purpose here? Break, woman! (laughs) 
No, they just said, do you know what? What we'll do, we don't want to worry it. We'll just screen her mail for a little while. Oh, my God. Just to make sure she's on the level. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it only took the screening of a few letters for them mm-hmm. to add her to a watch list, reasoning that they should keep on intercepting the mail rather than letting on that they knew she was a spy. So from from the very first day she landed... Yeah, but I don't even see her really as a spy. I mean, what she's doing is spy work, but I doubt very much she's actually reading the letters. She won't know what's in them. Oh, she was. She wasn't supposed to be, but she was. Okay. Happily oblivious that she was incriminating herself further with every package she sent Mm. and starting to fancy herself as a perfect spy. Oh, God. Because if the Abwehr didn't think of her as an active spy, she did. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she started fantasising about taking on a more active role in the spying game. Okay. Apparently, she also started lending every thriller novel that Dundee Library had (laughs) at this point, (laughs) devouring the stories and starting to believe that she could be just as sneaky and resourceful as the heroes and villains that populated the pages. Amazing. So she she decided, to be fair to her, she was like, I need to, I I want to do more, but I need Mm. to learn how to. Mm -hmm. And her solution to that, without you know raising any suspicions because you couldn't exactly type how to be a spy into google at this point no she's like if i just start reading those thrillers about you know all those secret agents and stuff i bet i bet i can pick up some tips right in order to prove to her handlers that she was ready for a promotion jesse began acting on her own initiative Mm. having seen intelligence about suspected military installations within the county of fife Mm -hmm. jesse reasoned that she could go on a little sightseeing tour with a notebook and pencil in order to confirm if their suspicions were correct. Okay. On one excursion, she came across ships from both the British and the US Navy in the Firth of Forth <laughs> and noted that the US ships had anchored in a straight line. Okay. She passed this piece of information back to Germany and it may have proved very useful to the Japanese because this was identical to the way that the US ships were anchored in their Pacific base at Pearl Harbour. Oh my God. Mm. So she didn't know it at the time, but that little bit of information that she passed across might have been more useful Mm. than initially thought. If she received some praise for her extra work, it immediately went straight to her head. Mm -hmm. And she began travelling further and further from her hairdressers in Dundee Mm -hmm. in order to provide information regarding British military sites. Right. And while travelling 50 miles to Edinburgh where she could surreptitiously overlook the Firth of Forth was one thing. You know, Mm -hmm. she could say, I was just going to the big city to do some shopping Mm -hmm. or I needed some specialist equipment. Mm -hmm. Travelling 440 miles to Aldershot and 475 miles to Southampton to take pictures of military barracks and naval bases was a bit more conspicuous. Oh my God, she's a really shit spy. (laughs) Way off, way off. Why is the shop shut today, Jesse? Where are you off? Oh, just, you know, Southampton. <laughs> Why? Boats. <laughs> she's, not, she's not the best spy. No, she's shit. Yeah. But. She definitely is no Paddy O'Sullivan. The fact you, that she was a shit spy was perfect for MI5 because mm-hmm. they reasoned if they ever needed to, they could simply arrest Jesse for her terrible attempts at fieldwork mm-hmm. without having to let on that they were aware of her role as a postbox. Okay, fair enough. So. Yeah. The the entire reason for not arresting Jessie was any if we arrest her, anything in terms of plans, in terms of intel that's gone mm. through her, mm-hmm. they're just gonna change up. Yeah. They're gonna right, all of that's compromised, we can't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to relocate all of those things. You know, that's that. Yep, I get that. Unfortunately for Jessie though, 
her exciting life of secret daring do. <laughs> she was loving. That she was loving and, you know, she just kind of made it up for herself. When yeah. they when they interviewed her later, she said that, you know, she, she'd done it because she felt some kind of, um, you know, kinship with Germany. She mm-hmm. felt they, they'd done a lot for her in Germany and she wanted to yeah. pay them back. But mainly it was for the excitement. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to have a bit of excitement in her life. You know, she's 51 now. Yeah. And she's, bless her, she's like, well, have I really done anything worthwhile? This is my chance to do something memorable. I mean, to be honest, I do like her. Mm. I am, she's very endearing. I just, it's the ineptitude. Yeah. It's the ineptitude. <laughs> but don't worry, she didn't have long to be inept because uh, it all started to unravel after only four months oh god so she bought the shop in september um of 1937 okay on january the 17th 1938 a letter was intercepted from an agent called crown that was his code name crown Uh operating out of new york city the letter detailed a plan to kidnap a colonel from the u.s army called elgin Uh from the mcalpin hotel Right. And they were going to kidnap him in order to force him to give up the details of the East Coast American naval defences. Right. Gosh. So, yeah, he, he apparently had all of had all of the intel and they were going to fake um, a meeting mm-hmm. that he needed to attend. Mm. And then once he got to the McAlpin Hotel, cosh him over the head, chuck him in a, you know, van. Bag over his head. And, yeah, and right, take him okay. to a, a, a secret location where they would beat 10 bells of shit out of him oh, until he told them everything they wanted to know. Mm. I don't know if waterboarding had been developed at this time, but, you know. What, a bucket? Yeah, I think they'd have a bucket. No, I know, but waterboarding is a bit more sophisticated than just a bucket. Yeah, but they just kind of go, I don't know. That's not waterboarding. <laughs> waterboarding is simulating drowning with a wet rag over your face. It's the experience of drowning without actually drowning is supposed to be absolutely horrific it is not just dipping someone's head in water i always thought it was just kind of like holding them under for a bit no no oh right okay fair enough. it's, it's worse than that All right. anyway that was their plan this put mi5 in a bit of an awkward situation mm-hmm. because if they didn't share this information with the americans and the plot succeeded it could make for some tensions with a major ally if they ever figured out that you know we'd known all along However, if they did warn the Americans, then it could tip the Germans off to the fact that their Dundee post box had been compromised. Mm. So what do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. What can you do? Uh, in the end, yeah, of course they did share the information with the American consul mm-hmm. the day before the kidnapping was scheduled to take place. So they took their wow, sweet time over it. they did, didn't they? Didn't dial that one in. Yeah. But again, telling someone in London... Even at this, you know, I mean, I know we had telegraph systems and stuff, but it's taking a bit of a risk telling someone in London the day before something's going to happen in New York. And going, oh, you, you might want to um, act on that. Yeah, well, they did have telegrams, telephones, Morse code. I know, but, you know, also there was a war on. There's a lot of things going on. It's like, okay. you might want to belt and braces that, you know, send a letter, send a telegram, mm. you know, a few things at once rather than just going, oh, by the way, your, uh, your general's going to be uh, kidnapped tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Thought you might want to know. As it was, mm-hmm. the plot was never actually enacted. But it was one of a number of more concerning plots that had been uncovered, that the Abwehr were getting into. Mm. These included planned assassinations and a plan to open a brothel in Washington, D.C. in order to honey trap senators and other government officials into giving away important secrets. Wow. 
So okay. yeah, <laughs> basically, like, yes, the Americans. I know how we get them: boobies, boobies and bums. If we, I think, if we put boobies in front of their faces, they will tell us the secrets. Mm-hmm. We don't need to break their knees. Well, surely boobies, and then they take the compromising photos, and then they hold them to ransom, and then they tell them the information. I guess there's there's the both ways you could do it. Yeah, yeah. You could try and build up that relationship where they want to make themselves sound like the big man. Mm-hmm. And you know that. Yeah, well, that's oh. playing the long game, really. I mean, blackmail is quicker. <laughs> they had options. They it, could they could play both. They could, couldn't they? I love the idea that it's just, we'll just open a brothel. That'll probably work. It's just the assumption that all of these high level government officials. It's like they are. What do you all... mean the assumption? That yeah. that is just fact. No, I know, but that's the thing. It's the fact that just. Oh, if we open a brothel, of course, married senators and they will colonels, come. they'll all come in. Open it and they will come. None of them respect their wives. Come no. on in. Although the trail on Crown had gone cold, mm-hmm. hypocritical sexual deviant and director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, mm-hmm. he decided to put one of his best men on the case anyway, a man okay. called Leon Thoreau. Mm. Though to be fair, he could have put his worst man on the case, mm-hmm. as the agent crown obviously liked the mcalpin hotel and he continued to use it as his base of operations while trying to fraudulently acquire some blank american passports a few weeks later by posing as a senator right okay so he literally wrote a letter to the guys who hand out the passports going i am a senator i need Mm -hmm. 35 blank u.s passports for reasons don't ask once again i am a senator Send them to a hotel. I mean, really, when when you when, <laughs> not when not you my home analyze, address. When you analyze, and and I know that this is a very small part of German intelligence <laughs> during the Second World War. When you actually analyze it, it is shoddy. Oh, don't think this is just the level the Germans were at. Everybody was at this level of shoddy. Oh my god! Honest to God, Paddy wasn't. There was a point at which. Um, and this was the Americans, the CIA, they found that when they were putting bugs in places, mm. and this was after World War II, they were putting bugs in places, they're like, there's too much background noise. Mm. So they literally installed a microphone into the ear of a cat because they figured that the cat's sort of cochlea mm. would naturally filter out the background noise so they'd get better things. And they tried it. The ca- First of all, the cat survived the installation. Oh my God. Secondly, what they were getting was brilliant. But then... They realised it's a cat. It's not going to go where you want it to go. No. And it's not just going to sit in the room with the secrets. And it literally ran off. <laughs> they lost the cat. It got out of radio range. Like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. That was so funny. Could you imagine? It just kind of like, it wouldn't be there. And then it'd come back. And mm. like all you'd hear is... <laughs> and then it'd run after like a little tinkle toy. Yeah, it was... And so, then it'd fight with someone you'd hear. But this is it, you know, all of all of the intelligence services, this was the time at which it was all really being developed. Oh, that's... that's oh, so everyone that's was doing brilliant. stupid things. And also, some of these things worked because people took it at your word. You, mm. you, you know, you didn't have the same levels of security to prove who you were. No. And it was worthwhile just sending a, a letter out and going, send us these blank passports. I need them here for official business. Mm-hmm. Because some jobs worth admin might just go, oh, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. There you go. Put it in the post. And then you've got them. That's not what happened in this case, no. though. Because uh, Tarot quickly linked the two plots. Mm. 
because they both ran through the McAlpin Hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was able to arrest Crown, who turned out to be a man called Gunther. Nice. Gunther Rumrich. Even better, Gunther immediately flipped. I mean, they didn't even have to ask him. (laughs) No thumb screws, he just squealed. Squeal for me, piggy. I imagine the door opened. It was FBI freeze. He went, I will tell you everything. I just got a... He's already got it in a file and just yeah. hand it over. Here it is. I'm sorry. Here's hands. No, it, he he flipped so quick. Wow. He's like, I'm too pretty to go to jail. He folded like wet bread. Oh, he did. He folded <laughs> like wet bread. He gave out the names of another 15 German spies immediately, oh, agreeing wow. to testify for the prosecution in return for a reduced sentence. So he was straight on the plea deal. I think he eventually managed to talk it down, considering this was espionage yeah. on US soil yeah. in the build-up to World War Two, uh-huh. He managed to argue it down to four years. Not too bad. Things with the trial, it did hit a bit of a problem okay. uh, where many of the alleged spies, because obviously mm-hmm. they haven't been tried yet, uh, they were interviewed mm-hmm. where they said, no, I know, I, I know not, I've never met this, this Gunther. Gunther you, who? Yeah. Um, and they were told, okay, well, what we're going to need you to do is make yourself available to testify before a grand jury at some point in the near future. And they went, oh, yes, yes, that sounds perfectly reasonable. No worries. Uh, and then promptly fled the country. Yeah. Yep. Could see that one happen a mile off. Yeah. And for this oopsie, Turo was made into a scapegoat and fired from the FBI. So even though he caught the spy, <laughs> he was still fired for the FBI. And if you go on to the FBI's own website to mm-hmm. this day... Mm-hmm. They basically just shit talk him, even though he was wow. following the book. He was wow. following what should have happened at that point. This is like, this is what you do with a suspect. Mm-hmm. Duh, 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 duh. He did everything by the book and they went, right, mm, okay, we need it to look like it's not the FBI being inc- incompetent, so we're just mm-hmm. going to blame him. And they started to say that he was emotionally invested in the case, that he mm-hmm. may have been turned, all these, you know, just crap about Truro. Wow. But the press coverage of the event... Yeah. And the eventual, smaller than expected trials, mm-hmm. ensured that the American public's opinion of their country's neutral status began to shift in favour of involvement in any European war that might be coming along. Mm-hmm. So, unbeknownst to Jessie, not only is she given you know some information that the Japanese might find useful, mm-hmm. but she's also been involved in one of the key cases that started to turn American public opinion in regards to getting involved in a war wow. over there. This newfound anti-Nazi sentiment was solidified by Hollywood in May 1939 when a thriller called Confessions of a Nazi Spy was released. Oh, you were trying to find that the other day. Oh, I didn't know it was for my episode. How how fun. Okay. And it was based on the Rumrick spy ring Mm. in the movie, which is in black and white. Yeah. The second character we see after the postman Mm. is a Scottish woman called Mrs. McLaughlin. He was receiving quite a bit of post from America. Who is she? Mm. This is because following the arrest of Rumrich in America, MI5 had to reluctantly arrest Jessie Jordan oh. on March the 2nd, 1938. She pled guilty to the charge of espionage mm-hmm. and was sentenced to four years in prison. Oh. Yeah. So she was she was pretty much the jig is up. And apparently she, she formed, I think the, the, um, the MI5 agent who took her in was called Cook. Mm-hmm. And they formed quite a, a friendly relationship and she was like oh yeah i'll you know i'll tell you where i went i'll tell you all the things and she took him on a tour of all the places she'd been 
and sort of oh, pointed out from her God. sketches where she'd done it. So she was very, she was, you know, to the last, a pretty crappy spy because she was not tight-lipped. She's like, and this is all the information that I gave them, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Oh, it, it's just so sad because you can see she just, she just wants somebody to approve. Yeah. You know what I mean? She just, she just wants to share her story with somebody. Mm. She just wants somebody to, to be that. To care. To care, mm. yeah. And Cook started to listen. Was like, do you, do you want to tell me about it, Jesse? Do you oh, want to you tell ta- me about? I'll make you a brew, love. What we uh, what we're talking about today, Jesse? Yeah. Sounds like you've had a busy four months, Jesse. Do you want to yeah. do you want to talk me through what you got up to? Oh yes. So anyway, I got I got here and I set up my secret spy shop, and then I, oh. I got out there. I was every I was in Wales at one point. Yeah. So yes, you sentenced to the four years in prison. The Americans apparently they were keen to interview Jesse. But the Scottish authorities were not as accommodating as the English might have been. Mm. And they replied that they would allow the FBI to interview Jesse only if no charges were brought under US law. Mm-hmm. Jesse consented. Mm-hmm. A solicitor was present at all times. And because they were Scottish, that the Americans paid for all the expenses and incidentals. Oh, so, yeah, it's going to cost you. We're not mm-hmm. shelling out. Nope. <laughs> you're, you're, it's all on your dollar if you want to do it. If the 51-year-old Jessie Jordan hoped that prison would be a nice break from the struggles of her life, a chance to decompress and to not have to worry about where the Mm. next, you know, next week's rent was coming from, Mm -hmm. she was sadly mistaken. Mm. She quickly fell ill and underwent a subtotal hysterectomy. Holy shit. Nearly dying in the process. Oh, my God. So the prison food, it just didn't agree with her, almost terminally. The prison food doesn't it didn't agree with her, so her womb what imploded. I mean, no, no, it's she was complaining um, that she had pain in sort of like a lower abdomen, and yeah. she she was blaming the food. Oh, so everyone right. was just going, "Oh, get over it!" You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's not as good as all the bratwurst you used to eat, mm-hmm. bloody German spy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turned out no, she had a massive issue, wow. and they had to rip out most you know most of her downstairs wow. uh, to save her life. Meanwhile, her daughter Marga was now unemployable in Germany and completely penniless following the scandal of the spy ring. Mm -hmm. So she decided, with nothing better to do and with no prospects in Germany anymore, she'd come to Scotland to be near to her sick mother. To offer a bit of emotional support. Hoping to alleviate the financial worries the family now found themselves in, she also, on a whim, decided to arrange a quickie wedding with a Glaswegian man called Thomas Reed. Okay. It was about as cliched as a wedding can be because it even took place at Gretna Green. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I wondered whether Gretna had come into it. Yeah, they went went from Glasgow down to Gretna to have oh. a quick wedding. Uh, in their haste to wed, though, Margaret forgot to mention that she hadn't actually got round to divorcing her first husband, making her a bigamist. Oh, God. Naturally, as with her mother and grandmother before her, the marriage backfired. Because the women of this family... They're cursed, mate. Well, they, marriage is not for them, it seems. No. It's not for everybody, is it? Because pretty much as soon as they got back from Gretna, Thomas lost his job. Meaning oh that the whole God. financial security plan was scuppered. Mm-hmm. He'd lost his job, but what he had managed to do mm. was impregnate Marga. Oh, great. Yeah. So Super duper. A fina- another liability yep. was added to the ledger. Mm. Marga, she decided to cut her losses and went back to Germany in October 1938. However, within three months, she was dead. Oh. As the result of an illegal operation. Oh, no. Oh, no. Which we can safely yeah. assume was an attempted abortion. 
Oh, that's that is really sad. Oh God, it is. Oh. Jessie, as you can imagine, she was devastated by the news, mm-hmm. and she withdrew into herself. Mm-hmm. She focused on doing her needlework in her cell in an Aberdeen prison, mm-hmm. showing no interest at all in appealing her conviction mm-hmm. or parole, mm-hmm. which proved to be a good thing because though she was granted parole on 14th of January 1941 for good behaviour, she had barely set foot outside of the prison gate before she was re-arrested as an enemy alien to be interned for the remainder of the war. Oh my God, right. So it was was one of those technicality things. It's like, we can't keep you in prison for the offence because that's not the way the law works. But Mm -hmm. as soon as you set foot out of the prison and onto free British soil. You might as well be walking straight back in. Yeah, we're going to be re-arresting you, uh, but for a completely different reason. It's like an enemy alien. I understand if she was master spy, but she wasn't. She was Jessie Jordan. Deport her, wouldn't you? Well, they did. They didn't want to deport her in case she had surgery to change her face and came back. Very unlikely. I mean, she had had surgery and she nearly died from it. When the Second World War ended in Europe on September 2nd, 1945, Jessie Jordan was informed that she would be allowed to leave the internment camp, but that she would be being deported back to Germany. Okay. What happened to Jessie Jr., by the way? I don't know. Thomas Reed, bless him, Mm. when he heard that Margot had died, he tried to adopt her legally because he felt that someone should take care of her. Yeah. But I believe... um, it was the Marga's father's family, so the Jordans mm. in Germany, sort of took her on at that right. point. Okay. Yeah, so Jessie herself, she returned to Hamburg and lived a quiet life, struggling to get by and alone Aww. until her death in 1954. This is really sad. What a sad end. It really is a sad end. All this woman wanted to do was to be accepted and wanted a family around her. Yeah. And it led her into some bad choices, but you mm-hmm. can see why they preyed on her. Yeah. She just wanted to fit in, to belong, to be told that she was worth something. Mm. And the intelligence services went, yep, you'll pretty much do anything. The problem they had with her was she wanted to do too much. She wanted mm-hmm. too much of that approval and yeah. it bit them all in the arse in the end. Now, if you're ever in New York and you want to see the Hotel McAlpin where mm. the Rumrish spy ring was uncovered, you can. Oh, lovely. It stands on the corner of Broadway and 34th Street in Manhattan to this day, though it is now an apartment block called Herald Towers. Oh, right. Okay. So if any, I know we have at least one listener in New York. Mm -hmm. If you happen to live in Herald Towers, just check for secret recording equipment. There Mm -hmm. may be some some things still there. Nice. Yeah, just exciting. Just check behind the drywall. Yeah. And the source Mm -hmm. for this... This story of daring do. Absolutely. Was an article called Ooh. Jesse Jordan, a rejected Scot who spied for Germany and hastened America's flight from neutrality by Rodri Jeffries Jones. That's a bit of a title, isn't it? It is. However, having written it, I typed in Rodri Jeffries Jones mm. just to see what else he'd written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned that he's actually written an entire book on the tale called The Nazi Spying in America which was released in 2020 and which I now intend to buy. Oh, fab, yeah. I know, because I forgot about the whole sort of spying kind of thing mm-hmm. after we'd done Paddy. Oh, I hadn't. I love And Paddy. now having covered Jesse as well, I'm, I'm back into it. I think we need to do more tales of, of spies and daring do and behind yeah. enemy lines stuff. 
as colloquial as that would be beautiful because <laughs> just imagine you know like we were saying she looked to you in your mind's eye like dawn french yeah it's still just with just like a little box of sandwiches and her notebook on top mm-hmm. as she sat on the train heading all the way down to southampton with a box brownie camera <laughs> well no she did start taking photographs yeah. by the end yeah She's like, I, I, the sketches, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to catch capture the full majesty <laughs> of what's going on. Actually I might miss amazing. something. But, you know, just... And then just sat outside a naval base, sort of looking through the gate, just with a camera. Yeah. What are you doing? No, nothing. Nothing. Because <laughs> she had a German accent as well. So, Nein. No, nothing. Nicht. <laughs> I'm from Dundee, don't you know? Are you? I own a hairdresser's. Do you? <laughs> Apparently so. And then they'd probably just be ringing up, going, "There's um, there's this Scottish woman with a German accent taking pictures," and then just getting the message from MF5 going, "That's Jessie. Yeah, we know we about know. her. Just we know. Just ignore her." Yeah. <laughs> if she tries to duck behind a bush, just loudly go shout, "Where is she gone?" She, it makes her happy. Yeah. She's a master of deception. She'll be oh, she'll be beaming on her way back mm. up. So there you go. That is Jessie Jordan. Oh, I like her. A traitor you can like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a happy, portly traitor. Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.